We have a special guest, the 2022 National Mother of the Year, Doris Donnelly. She will be talking about how she broke the cycle of abuse in her family. It is something you will definitely want to listen to. So stay tuned. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. My name is Deanne Taylor, and I am your host today. We're excited to have Doris Donnelly with us. Doris has been married to the love of her life, Jack, for 30 years. They have two remarkable children and two darling grandsons. Doris adores being with family, talking with them daily, and spending time with them. Her favorite part of being a mom is being a grandmother. I can agree with that. Doris also has a passion for mothering others. She volunteered many years with youth and women survivors of domestic and sexual abuse. Her current passion is bringing hockey to individuals with disabilities, bringing sled hockey to her local youth hockey association, acting as her state hockey association's first director of adaptive hockey, and being named Colorado Avalanche's volunteer of the year. She is now serving as USA Hockey's blind hockey representative and the general manager of its U.S. blind hockey team. Most telling about her is that this novice to elite athletes affectionately refer to her as mom. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Doris Donnelly, the 2022 National Mother of the Year. Thank you for joining us, Doris. Well, thank you for having me. We're excited. You are an amazing woman and a great example of motherhood. And you've overcome many challenges in your life that have helped you grow. And you've also been able to use your experiences to help other mothers. I was interested to read in your biography that you have broken the chain of abuse in your life. I would love to have you share your journey if you feel like you could do that with us today. I'm happy to do that, Deanne. Thank you for asking. I feel like it's important to tell a little bit of the backstory and then tell you some of the journey on how I got to where I am today. I can't talk about the healing process without sharing some of the darker side of childhood. As a child, I think there was a blurring of the lines of what true, real love looks like and what sexual abuse is. I didn't know what real love should look like. And so it was really unhealthy for me as a child, all the way through the age of 18. Uh, I tried to take back my power. That's how I like to look at it, by by telling people throughout the stages of my life, pastors, teachers, even the police. And unfortunately, I was put back in my home several times. I was in foster care, even navigated the court system. But they put me back in my home and I felt betrayed, unloved, unlovable in those situations. So through those times, and even for probably others, you feel like you can't break the cycle. But finally, at the age of 18, I left home 
And unfortunately, I didn't learn how to navigate what healthy love, healthy relationships, what I should look like as a healthy person. So I was very unhealthy. I sabotaged every relationship I was ever in. I sabotaged myself with an eating disorder from the age of 13 until the age of 30. Uh, I was unfortunately pretty promiscuous for a while, just did really unhealthy things. And then when I was in relationships, I did everything I could do to prove that they were going to leave me. I mean, I pushed even my husband before we were married. I did everything I could to prove that I didn't deserve love. And basically I was grieving and I didn't realize that these were steps of grief. I was railing against the fact that I was unlovable. I was insecure. I just was not in a healthy place. And finally, I sought counseling. And I don't think that even then, at that point, I believed that it was a good thing for me. But then I found a retreat called Committed to Freedom. And it was during that retreat that there were other women that were just like me. Our stories were different and we didn't even really have to tell our stories, but our common ground was the same. We understood that we were, we were unlovable, or at least that's how we felt. We were unlovable. We were grieving. We were hurting ourselves in different ways, but we all understood each other. And that long three-day weekend, we did a lot of work together. And we understood that we were trying to take back power in ugly ways, but we were doing normal things in abnormal circumstances. And that was the beginning of learning how to heal. And that, to me, that was eye-opening, that there were other people like me. I wasn't, I wasn't unlovable. It wasn't that I was unhealthy. Well, I was doing an unhealthy things, but someone could actually love me. But most importantly, I could love myself. That was a blip on my timeline that didn't define who I was. I was so forever grateful for that retreat. So much so that I actually became a facilitator for several years and I actually helped the core group of facilitators and many women came through those retreats. And thankfully being one of the facilitators helped me become healthier. So then I sought counseling again and I was receptive at that point and a lot of healing occurred. So some of the things that I learned through that was that I needed an accountability partner, not just one, but actually several. Because you can't just have one person to rely on because in the middle of the night when you're really struggling and sometimes people don't want to hear you at 12 o'clock in the middle of the night, but some are still awake. And so you call them and truly an accountability partner, someone that you can be brutally honest with, tell them, look, I think I need to be committed. I need to be, I need to go to the hospital. And there was a time where I was in a 72 hour hold because I did not want to live. I thought that this earth would be a better place without me. I truly have done some horrible things to my personhood. 
And I truly had some beautiful people in my life that really cared for me. And I would not be here were it not for them. So accountability partners are huge in all of this journey. There were times where I actually had to schedule my day in 10 minute increments so that I could actually get through the day. There were days that it was just too hard. And I did that for weeks at a time. There were times in my life where I was in counseling two to three times a week. And then I graduated to once a week. And now I haven't been in counseling for a while. Jack and I actually had to go to counseling together too, because as I changed, it changed our relationship and it looked very different for us. So we had to go to counseling together. It was a growing experience for both of you then. For both of us. Mm -hmm. During this process, you also got married. We did. We got married early in my journey. So it looked very different at the beginning of our relationship. Actually, when I was on the 72 hour hold was when we were married and my daughter was with us. Both of my children have seen the landscape change. My son was a whole lot younger, but my daughter was, I think nine. You know what? I don't know how old she was, but she was alive when this happened. And She has experienced a lot, but I do believe that's why my children are so heartfelt is because they have experienced the need to love big and they do. They love people so much. They're very empathetic and loving. And we've talked a lot about the journey that I've been on. I'm so proud of who they are as people. I'm sad that they've had to go through all that they've gone through. But at the same time, I am proud of who they are because of all of this. But some of the other tools, group counseling, other women who've been through this, we've gotten together early on. I've done collages. I've done vision boards. Walking is huge. Going for long walks, playing music. When my mind is chaotic, I play music, soft music. I can't do the the stuff that rattles it more in my brain because it's pretty chaotic in there at times. Meditation, prayer. And since then, I mean, those were earlier years in my mid-20s. I have a core group of girlfriends that are always there for me. Five girlfriends. And then I have a single girlfriend. And then my sister. She and I have walked the walk together from early on. We're a year apart. And I would not be where I am today without her. I do highly recommend counseling for people that have been through this. I do recommend finding a retreat that you find out that you are not alone in this journey. And to be vulnerable and take small steps, baby steps. Don't let people in quickly. Give them something that you can trust. And then if you find that they're trustworthy, let them in a little bit more. Because being vulnerable, especially with stuff like this, you can find people that aren't healthy for your relationship. And now here I am, 58. I feel like a little kid. I play. All those things that I feel like I didn't do well for myself in my early years, I do at 58. Well, that is amazing. That is so great for you and for your family, for you to have this journey. Thank you for sharing it. I had some thoughts as you were talking. Some of us don't have to deal with that extreme of a situation, but I think it's important for each woman to understand she does need that core group of support friends. 
Absolutely. Um, there are so many things that we go through that we think I'm doing this by myself. Nobody understands, but that's why I want to do this podcast. That was the goal is to connect. I'm getting emotional. Sorry, guys. It's okay. Tears are, tears are good for us. Keeps they us are. young. Well, they're cleansing too. Not only, not only tear ducts, but body and soul. But I have relied on some really good friends through my life. And I haven't had a lot of difficulties in my life, but there have been times, miscarriages or illness during a pregnancy or issues with children having problems, teenage years or whatever. Someone is there who has been through it. Maybe like you said, not exactly the same way, but they shared those feelings and those concerns and those heartbreaks. And I appreciate that you went to counseling. Some of us have and some haven't. But I was going to ask you, what drove you to counseling the first time? Who encouraged you to go? Or did you just say, I've got to get some help? Uh, because that first step is a big one. It and is. I, I'm proud of you for taking it. But I was wondering, what was the impetus to get you to that first round of counseling? I don't know who exactly told me. But someone had said, you will never be healthy until you go to counseling. And I thought every step of the way. I kept saying, I can do this myself. I can do this myself. But I saw patterns in my life where I really wasn't doing it myself. I was making bad decisions. And finally, the first counselor I saw, I didn't bond with. But I didn't know that. And I didn't realize that you could actually quit counselor. And so then I thought, well, this isn't working for me, so I'm not going again. And I really didn't see a counselor again until I met Jack. We originally started going together and he interviewed with me and we found a lovely woman who really got me. And actually she held my feet to the fire. And at first I didn't appreciate her for that. It's not fun. I'm not enjoying this. Well, guess what? None of the healing process it's like debriding from a fire. The, the healing process is actually almost worse than the damage that's originally done. And yet she was a lovely woman who buffered both ends with beautiful things. But in the middle of it, I'm like, I don't like you. <laughs> no, I um, can imagine that. We had Dr. Renee Renardi on here a couple of weeks ago. Dr. Renardi told us at that time, you need to find a counselor that's right for you. And don't be afraid to walk away from it. If you're not getting from them the help that you need, or you don't feel comfortable with them, they're the wrong ones for you. And it's okay. I appreciate you sharing that. She wasn't right for you. And so you had to try again. I want our listeners to know that's okay. Same right. as you do a physician. Anybody that is not giving you the care that you need you have the right and the power to walk away from that and find someone who will care for you and take you where you need to be. Exactly. So I'm glad that exactly. you were able to do that. As time has gone on, I have hopefully given both of my children, taught them that they have a voice, that if they're not getting what they need to use their voice to say that very thing, hopefully they've learned from me to do that. I'm sure they have. Hey. Early my daughter, I want her to use her voice for herself. 
I see my daughters and daughters-in-law, when their children are frustrated or whatever, they said, use your voice. Help me understand what you're feeling. And I love that because I think that helps them evaluate really what they're feeling and what they need. Right. Not just what they want, but what they need. Right. What they need. And I see my daughter doing that with her two boys also. And I love that. I, I think that we, our children have come so much farther than when I was a young girl. You shouldn't feel that way or go to your room until you are done with that. And it's like, I wish somebody would have given me a voice earlier in life. Right. I might use it a little bit more now. Maybe well, that's and that's a good thing. People need to know so how too. we feel. And if we communicate better, then our relationships improve, right? Absolutely. I love what you've shared. And thank you for sharing your journey with us. And you've also helped others, like you said, through the process. You're not a counselor, as you mentioned, but this is your journey and what you found to help you. But I think right. most women can use the same steps you did mm-hmm. to get to where they need to be. And I right. think to keep you healthy, you have your friends to rely on too. Right. I do want to say one other thing about my friends. Even now, because we kept secrets in my home when I was young, I wasn't good at forming relationships. And then as I've gotten older, I have really longed for relationships. And I really want my girlfriends to know how much they mean to me. I want women to know. I really want women to know how important they are. But my girlfriends especially, because early on, I would go through dark times. Not as much now, but if they didn't hear from me for a couple of days, they would call. And if I didn't answer, some of them have come to my home and knocked on the door. And if I didn't answer, they would stay at my door until I did answer. And then they're like, nope, come on, we're going to go for a walk. And they don't let me stay hidden. And I have appreciated them for that. They have come over to my house brought meals. They have taken such care of me at the earlier stage in life so that I have gotten to this stage in life. And I have been forever grateful to women taking care of women. And so I will always be that one to try to take care of other women and thank women for being advocates for other women. This is where I'm emotional because there have been beautiful women in my life that have gotten me here today. We need to depend on each other and value each other, what we have to give to each other. And I feel sad that the society today many times does not encourage those relationships, those healthy women relationships that buoy us up. There are times that I would call a girlfriend and say, I need to take a drive, need someone to drive with me. I don't do something stupid. Her husband and my husband were understanding and they said, just go, we're here, just go. And it's also helped you have someone else in your life that's supportive too. Thank you again for sharing that. We need to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Doris Donnelly. Thanks for joining us and stay tuned. We'd like to thank you, our listeners, for your continued support. Please help us spread the word about the podcast. Be sure to like, leave a comment, and share episodes of American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast on all your social media platforms. 
We can best support each other as mothers if we share good things that will help all of us and our families. Remember, listen, like, comment, and share. Hey, welcome back. We're with Doris Donnelly, the 2022 National Mother of the Year. And thank you again for being with us, Doris. Again, thank you for having me. <laughs> You're just wonderful. You have been involved with special needs, hockey and other things. What brought you to that, being involved with the disabled or just in community work? So I'd love to tell you about the hockey. So hockey's been a big part of our family. My husband played, uh, my son played, my daughter can skate, and I never really played sports. And so I was sitting around with a group of moms, our sons played, and I said, there's got to be something hockey for mothers. I was 41 at the time. And I said, I would really love to play. It's the only sport I knew that really all the rules too. And so I found a place to play. I put on all the gear and I would be at one end of the ice and everyone else would be at the other end. So I would shimmy to the other end. And I didn't know how to skate. And I didn't know how to play. I really didn't know how to play the game on the ice. They would be at the other end and I would shimmy to the other end and they would be at the other end. But needless to say, I did learn how to play hockey. I'm about the equivalent of a 10-year-old. <laughs> One day, my son came home and said, Mom, I need to volunteer for my academic program. What do you suggest? And I said, always, always volunteer with what you're passionate about. And he said, well, I have a flyer here for sled hockey. And it's for kids and adults with physical disabilities. And I said, may I join you? And thankfully, he didn't do an eye roll, you know, like 14 or 13-year-old kids do. <laughs> he said, sure. And so we went to this sled hockey event. The sled is where kids sit in a seat on two skate blades. They're low to the ground. And they have two sticks with picks on the one end and blades on the other. Or some of them need pushers if they don't have the upper body strength to navigate themselves. So I went with my son and I pushed a young boy named Nathan. And that young man laughed the entire time. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with Nathan. And I said, can I go with you next week? And he said, absolutely. So I got to volunteer with my son. We kept going back, kept going back. And partway through, I knew the local hockey program, Colorado College, their mascot. And I asked him if he would come out and skate with the local sled hockey program. And so he did. Well, the board of that program called me and said, you know, Doris, you probably should call and clear that with us before you do this type of stuff. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. And they said, however, would you like to be on our board? <laughs> so they put me on the board. So I started with sled hockey because my son needed his volunteer hours. Well, pretty soon, a gentleman at USA Hockey called me and said, would you consider putting on, I don't even know what event it was, another discipline. I think it was blind hockey at the time. And then after that, it was deaf, hard of hearing. And then pretty soon it was warrior hockey and then standing amputee. And so I started doing all of these different events locally in Colorado Springs. 
And I just loved every one of the athletes that came through. And pretty soon I started learning more and more. I am a rule follower. I like to make sure that we're following all of the hockey rules and doing it the right way. But I was still involved locally. And I went from being player recruitment to different roles with the sled hockey program. And then we merged the sled hockey program with the local youth hockey organization. I was then on their board. And then the state created a position at the state level for all of the disciplines. And I became involved that way. And I helped grow some programs throughout the state. And then I started growing blind hockey with the Colorado Avalanche and helped them with events. And then pretty soon USA Hockey asked me to be their blind hockey representative. It started with volunteering with my son. He and I volunteered together with all of these different events. And so I got to do things and he'll be 28 this year. And he was 13 when we got started. Great way to build a relationship with your son too. Absolutely. So I've cut back quite a bit. I'm no longer the USA Hockey representative for blind hockey. I resigned so that I can do a little bit more locally. I'm still on the board for the sled hockey program here and just have had the time of my life with the athletes. It's always the athletes that drive me to do more because they've taught me so much about thankfulness and giving back. They've given me so much more than I will ever be able to give to them. And I get to do things with my son. That's great. The thing that I have found is the more you give selflessly because you love it, you have that passion, you get back so much. It fills your soul. And in the process, you learn a lot about yourself and serving and just being a better person. So thank you for sharing those Mm -hmm. qualities with so many good people. It takes people like you to provide that experience for those who have disabilities. So thank you for Mm. your service. I've loved every minute. Doris, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your stories. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Deanne. And if anybody should reach out and want to talk, if their story is similar, I am happy to talk with them. If you are interested in reaching out to Doris, please send an email to podcast at AmericanMothers.org and we will forward your request to her. We've also posted in show notes the resources that Doris has recommended to help you. We appreciate her willingness to share her time and her experience with us on this podcast and with you, our listeners. See you next week. We are always looking for topics that will be of interest to our listeners and for you, our mothers out there where the rubber meets the road. If you have a question or a topic that you would like to know more about, please reach out to us on social media or send it to us via email at podcast at americanmothers.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Doris, I've asked you to think about a mothering moment that you might want to share with us. Have you come up with anything you want to share with the listeners? Well, it's hard because there's so many moments that you have with your children, but I guess I would have to say that. As I watch my children, I don't know if this is a joyful moment or an embarrassing moment, but my two children one time, you know how you see people show the memes of people dressing up to go to Walmart? Both of my children rummaged through the coat closet and they found some really eclectic mix 
of clothing and they put it on and they actually went to Walmart dressed up like that and sent us pictures of them through the aisles in those clothing. And I don't know if I should be embarrassed or just proud of the fact that they enjoy being together like that. We're kind of the crazy family and I am proud of the fact that they're really close to each other and that they love doing goofy things. What do the words inquisitive, curious, final math, and teachable have in common? Next week, we will talk about how these words are related and how we can instill these strengths in our children. Join us next week. Roxanne Ferguson, Delaware Mother of the Year. My parenting mantra is embodies change. This is on every wall that I've ever had as an office and it's in our home office. It's that change offers opportunities that have yet to be imagined. During your life, things are gonna change. Parenting methods are going to change. Your children are going to change. You think they're going to be the same growing up and all the lessons you instill in them. Nope. They're not going to be the same individuals at 20 that they were as 10. So you need to embrace that change and be open-minded to those opportunities that come your way because of that. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members, or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify, the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.